Hey guys, are you one of the many fathers with sons who have lamented the fact that we've lost a sense of what it means to be a man in the church and in the world today? And also, we've lost rites of passage for sons to become men. I would love to be able to come out and talk to the men of your church on rites of passage, building sons into men. The Bible teaches that God has created men to worship, work, protect, provide, lead, and love. And what I've done is built these rites of passages in a malleable way so you can take these, adopt them, or change them to suit your church or your particular son so they can have a clear vision of what manhood is and how to get there. If you would like me to come for a seminar or conference, please reach out to me and we can work out the details. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our king, Jesus. Hello and welcome back to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. We are on episode 476. We continue to move forward to that milestone 500th podcast episode. Excited about that. I'm going to have to do some sort of giveaway or, I don't know, maybe you can come to the intensive for free. You know, one person, not everybody. Something like that. But it's coming down the pipeline. Pretty excited about that. And uh, just things are going really well on the podcast ministry side. Thank you guys for continuing to support and come back. Okay, a few things before we get going, and then I will get into the imposition of morality, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Fruitful and Fearless podcast, remember to check that out. If your wives or the ladies in your church are looking for some good content, Jordan continues to pump out good content for, through for, Fruitful and Fearless. And if you are looking for podcasts for your sons, we've got this great show called the Sons and Slaves podcast. I'm a little biased because my boys, Ransom and Valor, are the co-hosts with me, and they're doing a phenomenal job. We're going through a book called Boyhood and Beyond and having a a really good time doing that. You want to check that out, please do. And then the intensive is coming up May 16th, 17th, and 18th this year. We moved it back one week. There's graduations and that kind of things that are those kind of things that are going on with school, and so we wanted to move it back one week. A.D. Robles is going to be the speaker this year, and we're really looking forward to it. We have some changes. We're going to have a strongman competition. We are going to have an official arm wrestling competition and some other things that we're just you know really looking forward to. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Please consider coming. The cost on that is pretty minimal, $175 if you want to camp, and then $300 if you're looking for a cabin. Okay, the imposition of morality. Let's go ahead and pray, and let's dive into a topic that can be somewhat controversial, and it might be, but hopefully I'm going to get you off the fence and help you understand God's law in the public squ- uh, in the public sphere. That's what I want to do. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. I ask for blessing upon the conversation. Holy Spirit, I pray for those that uh, have struggled to think through how Christians are to, to live publicly and have bought into the lie that we cannot impose morality on others and help us to do that rightly. We want to do this for your glory and for the good of people and for the good of society. And we trust that you're going to help us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I have talked quite a bit about this, but haven't talked a lot about this recently. And what I want to do is just help the normal churchgoer that's out there in the pew that has maybe heard the term Christian nationalism, has been a little bit freaked out by the buzzword nature of it, and 
has really been a little bit nervous about the idea of Christians having power. And what I want to do is push back on that and just challenge you with several different concepts that I think can help you understand at least where I'm coming from and many Christians are coming from in 2024 when it comes to God's law, when it comes to the Christian ideals in the public square, those sorts of things. And I want to help you at least kind of take the blunted edge and saw off or, or sandpaper off some of the rough edges of some of these concepts for you to try to help you at least uh, think, okay, that's not that crazy. It's not as crazy as I've thought it is based on listening to Gospel Coalition or Beth Moore, something like that, okay? So let's just think through a few of these concepts about where it stands currently. The imposition of, um, of morality is inevitable. It is absolutely across the board inevitable from society to society and generation to generation in any nation or any city or any village that has any laws on the books. In other words, civic laws are, by their very nature, the imposition of morality on constituents or on civilians. They are doctrinal statements, and they are declaring to people, this is right and this is wrong. These are things that I've covered in the past. If you're a longtime listener, this isn't anything new. But I want you to think about the dark nature of this at the national level and even at the state level, depending upon what state you're living in. Right now, you currently are having an imposed morality that is put down upon you by wicked people. Unless you live in a community with Christians that have the power in that community or in that region, then what you're facing, what you're dealing with, is an imposed morality from wicked people. Power in the hands of wicked people is a very dangerous thing. Power in the hands of godly people is a whole lot better thing. And for some reason, I just mentioned this in our sermon yesterday at our church, for some reason there is this fear of power and authority in the hands of Christians because of the past or the history of the church or, oh my goodness, the Crusades and look what Christians have done. And as if, as if, power in the hands or authority in the hands of a Christian is somehow worse than power in the hands of wicked rulers or wicked people. <laughs> we should be running towards power and authority because it's better for a spirit-filled man to have power and authority over people than it is for a selfish man or a uh, satanic-filled person to have power and authority over people. What happens when the forces of darkness or the world has power over people and they impose their, their morality on people. Okay, welcome to 2024 in America. Impose morality. Let's think about the imposed morality on you right now, Christian, what you are being required to pay for right now. And let's just think about this because I think so many of us just think about this and shrug our shoulders and just think, well, it's just the way it is. It is what it is kind of thing. And I just want to ask the question, is this what the other side, is this what the left, is this what the people in, in power that are wicked would do if we had the power and if we were imposing godly morality like we have in the past in this country. So think about this. Here's the nature of imposed morality right now, okay? We are being forced to, as Christians, pay taxes, and these tax dollars are going to pay for child sacrifice. Let's think about the state of Illinois. Maybe you live in an abortion-free state. You, you don't actually live in an abortion-free state. They can still get the pill. The state of Illinois is paying for, through our tax dollars, portions of what I give, give to this state, are paying for women to travel to this country or to this state and for pimps to travel with their women to this state to murder children. And I'm forced to pay for that. I'm forced to pay for child sacrifice. Now, 
in the end, it is the state that's responsible. I have to pay taxes, and I'm not responsible for what they do with my tax dollars, but I'm being forced to pay for wicked things with the work of my hands. They're imposing that on me. They're imposing that on you. R.J. Rush Dooney famously said that it's not a matter of whether or which laws are going to be imposed on people. It's it's not whether, but it's which, because there is the imposition of morality, and this is what I want you to understand. This is what the, what I want the normie in the pew to understand. We are being there's a there is a morality that's being pushed on us. What about this? We are being forced to pay for sex change operations, so-called sex change operations, even for minors. We're having to pay for government education every year. A large portion of my property taxes go to pay for these schools in the city of Carbondale that are teaching godless, secularist, terrible, J.B. Pritzker agenda material to children and putting tampons in the boys' room. And a portion of my tax dollars go to that. Uh, it's, it's being forced upon me. We are being forced to pay for women in, con- in combat, which is anathema biblically. We're being forced to pay to send our daughters to war to bleed and die for us. And that's being imposed upon us. We're having to pay for and being forced to pay for more and more socialist programs in our country. And they are imposing their wickedness upon us and making us. And here's what Christians are doing. We are, we are far less angry about wickedness than the wicked is angry about righteousness. Let me explain what I mean. We just shrug our shoulders. It's like, all right, yeah, that's just, it is how it is. Or we get a little bit frustrated, whatever it may be. But what if, it, what if the tables were turned? What would the other side be doing? Okay, If the other side was, if it was turned to where Christians had power and we began to impose righteousness, righteous rule, and we kind of went backwards in our country where from the beginning and even from the, from the colonies, and if you go back into Plymouth or even Jamestown, we're talking about to a greater degree, righteousness being imposed upon a city. What if we started, but we regulated things that happened on the Sabbath? What if we regulated and imposed God's law and God's standards and death penalties upon those that are murdering children or upon those who are raping women? What if the death penalty was expanded? What if expositional preaching was highlighted and encouraged? What if these things were rewarded? The, 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 the Christians were able to live in a peaceful manner. What if the Christian sexual ethic was required in the public sphere and sexual deviancy was punished according to God's word? What would the left be doing? What are they fearing? What if we outlawed abortion completely, where end abortion now actually happened? All abortion across the board is done with and it's now criminalized. And if you try to murder a baby, you're going to have murderous charges coming your way. You're going to have the law of the state coming down upon you. The law of the federal federal government coming down upon you. What would the people, what would they, they're calling us right now. That's what they're calling. They're saying, well, that's Christian nationalism. If you want to impose your morality on us, then that's fearful. You, you should not do that. You're Christian jihadists. That's the, the exact same kind of thing that they're doing in Muslim countries, whatever it may be, because we are simply saying you shouldn't murder babies. Okay. Do you see the hypocrisy here? This is, I'm appealing to you. I'm pleading to you, Christian in the pew. I am appealing to you, normal, regular Christian that loves God's word, that loves the world, that knows that something's wrong, but you just kind of shrug your shoulders at wickedness around you or shrug your shoulders at what your city does or shrug your shoulders at what your state does. It's just like, ah, no big deal. Or you're also on the bandwagon always saying, oh, Christian nationalism is wrong. How about this? It's wrong for wicked people to impose their wickedness upon Christians and a people, and they will be judged for it. How about that? What's wicked here? 
Is it wicked for Christians to want power and authority to impose righteousness, righteous rule upon people? Or is it wicked for people to do what they're doing right now, imposing this upon us and taking your tax dollars and requiring you to pay for the murder and sacrifice of children and sex re- re- reassignment surgery and all this kind of stuff? What's wick- Weigh it in the balances, folks. And if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, okay, I'm 100% here with you, Jared. We'll send this to somebody that hears the word Christian nationalism and their head explodes Send it to those that are listening to Beth Moore or uh, David French or listening to Russ Moore or Love Gospel Coalition. Send it to them and, and, and pray. God, help them to see what is actually wicked here in the scales. And what are we wanting to do? Well, we're wanting to try to do as Christians what we should be wanting to do is what John the Baptist did. What we should be wanting to do is what Jesus came to do. How about this? Let's just turn to the first few chapters of Isaiah. And let me just read this to you, okay? And this is what Jesus will do. He is concerned with imposing righteousness on people. He is in, he is concerned and he cares about imposing righteous rule in the nations. Listen to this. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Does Jesus care about imposing righteousness and and truth in the government level, well, absolutely. You say, well, Jared, that's about if you're, you know, a futurist and, and you don't, you're not a post-millennialist. Well, you still believe that Jesus is concerned with right rule and righteous rule in the nations because of that passage. You just think it's just a matter of time. Well, shouldn't we then be concerned with righteous rule now, even though you think it's well way out in our future? Well, shouldn't we be aiming at that now, living like Jesus? Well, what about John the Baptist? Listen to this. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him, John the Baptist, for Herodias, his brother's wife, and that's where, generally speaking, when we think about Matthew and Mark, we we just think it ends there, that Luke was correcting Herod for having his brother's wife. But it goes on. Luke uh, records this, that John the Baptist also, not only for having Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, and he locked up John in prison. John the Baptist was calling Herod out for all the wicked things he had done. He was imposing his morality and expecting Herod, a non-believer, to do justice, to act rightly according to God's law. He was expecting Herod to act like and live like what God has called him to act and live like. That was the expectation. That's how they should live. That's how sinners should live according to God's law. But they don't. They break God's law. They suppress God's law. They rebel against God and they slayed his son. And you and I have our hand in that as well because of our sins. Now, this is the call here. And this is what I'm just trying to help you out with, help you to think through this. There's always going to be an imposition of morality. And right now, wickedness is being opposed on you. It, It is being required of you to submit, to bow your knee and submit. And the longer Christians run from power and authority, the more we just say, here, have it. You can have it. This is all yours. Continue to impose wickedness upon us. We'll continue to shrug our shoulders. No big deal. But if Christians will step up like John the Baptist or recognize they're following in the footsteps of their master, then they will step up into places of authority in the business world or at school or wherever it may be. They'll recognize this leadership vacuum 
that's in our country right now, and we will step up in ministry and do what God's called us to do in ministry and equip the saints to do what God's called to do them uh, to, to do in the world. We'll step up in the civic realm. We'll step up in our homes. We'll step up in, in, in the church, in the world, everywhere we go, and we will fill that leadership vacuum that more and more is being opened up, and we will take that power, we will take that authority, and we will rule well, and we will impose righteousness upon people. People say, well, Jared, you just want to impose morality on people? Yeah, you bet. That's exactly what I want to do. Because impose morality from the hand of a Christian, a spirit-filled Christian who has God's word in front of him, is going to bring more freedom and more glory to that people than somebody who is out here just running around by, through natural law or through their wicked ways saying, here's what's right and here's what's just and here's what's wrong and here's what's evil. We have the tools. So I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Yes, we're going to impose morality. It's, it's inevitable. So we want to have that power and authority to be able to impose it for God's glory. That's what we want to do. And when righteousness is imposed on a people, when justice is established, what ends up happening is God's law confronts more and more people. And what happens when God's law confronts more and more people? Well, people are either going to rage, which, what, which they would, or they would bow the knee because they would see their need. They would be exposed and they would run to Jesus for salvation. That's what we want. Okay, guys, thanks so much. Like I said, if you're in 100% agreement and you're like, yes, yes and amen, Jared, I'm with you on this, well, then send it to somebody that you know would be a little bit nervous about this or has has had difficulty thinking through these things. Because what I want to do, and this is what I always want to do, is take things that are somewhat complicated subjects and bring it down to just the normal person. Just And this is what I am. I'm just trying to help people think through difficult things in a simple way, in a, in a right way, in a biblical way, so they can understand what's going on in the world around them and they can walk obediently to the Lord right now in whatever stage of life they're in. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for listening to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. For more information, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes, and if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, please message me, and we'll get you on the list. We hope you have a great rest of your day.